Do you feel like you're barely keeping your head above water? That no matter how hard you try, meaningful progress remains out of reach? Heather gets that. She battled an eating disorder for years before seeking help. Now in recovery, Heather is here to tell you that positive change is possible even when it doesn't feel that way. Join her as she shares openly about her struggles and small triumphs. Fair warning, though. Heather doesn't hold back. Her candid story may trigger some. But for those wanting honesty, hope, and healing, this is 1% Better with Heather. The information and stories shared on 1% Better are based on host Heather's personal experiences with eating disorders and mental health challenges. Heather is not a licensed doctor, therapist, dietitian, or other health professional. Her advice and opinions should not be taken as professional medical advice. Please consult your physician or a qualified health provider regarding any medical or health-related issues. 1% Better also contains descriptions of eating disorders that may be triggering for some listeners. Discretion is advised. Hey there, my little gaffers, and welcome to 1% Better with Heather. Today, I have a special guest, Ed Warrior Mom, as she's known on TikTok. For the next couple episodes, Ed Warrior Mom will share how she got pulled into this eating disorder hell. No questions off limits. She will speak about her daughter and their experience with the eating disorder recovery system, how this disease affected her family. She will also be discussing her faith in a higher power and how that helped her get through this eating disorder hell. It takes a brave person to come onto a worldwide podcast and air your dirty laundry, so to speak. I applaud her for this. Now, without any further ado, here is Ed Warrior Mom. Hey there, my little gaffers, and welcome to 1% Better with Heather. Today, I have a special guest, Edie Warrior Mom, as she's known on TikTok. She is here to talk all about her life and how she got involved in this eating disorder, eating disorder recovery hell. So welcome, Edie Warrior Mom. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, Heather. Yes, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm ED Warrior Mom on TikTok, but at home, I'm just Kendi or Mom. So I am just so happy to be here and talking about something that's near and dear to my heart and important for the world to know more about. So let's jump right in. That's how we do things around here. Yep. So we talked previously on another episode that your daughter went to a facility when mm -hmm. she was 17. Now she's out and it's Chernobyl all over again. Do you want to <laughs> explain that? Yeah, I think that for a little while when she came home, everything was, you know, puppies and rainbows and she was excited to kind of get back to her life in a different way. We had a very specific plan. You know, you'd leave treatment with um, kind of more treatment mindset and processes. You just do them at home. And so I'm making all of her meals, all of her snacks. We're eating together. We're, you know, doing therapy. We're meeting the dietitian. We're doing virtual programming online to kind of keep you know, things going for a period of time. And she's also still staying um, free of physical activity. And at some point, 
when her dietitian gave her the permission, she went back to soccer. And at this point, she was really, it was really important to get prepared for college. Cause as I mentioned, she had signed to play soccer um, in college. And so we were on that pathway at this point. It's like, she's healthy. Uh, we're gonna get her ready for college. And I had a lot of trepidation about that. Uh, I really felt like, you know, college could go one of two ways. Uh, she could find some freedom, not living at home, pursuing her passion, really the only thing she's ever loved more than, you know, the people in her family. And, or she could tank um, being away from home and the stability that that provides. And so we just didn't know which way it was going to go. And people ask me sometimes whether I would make a different decision. And the answer is no, because if we had said, you're not going to do those things and stay at home, then the same thing could be true. She could have, she could be thriving or she could tank um, for a variety of, of reasons. And so it was a gamble that we took in knowing that there could be some grave repercussions. And so she started college um, and very quickly, I think she started to struggle in earnest. And again, having a relationship with her soccer coach was so helpful. He knew her history and we would talk regularly just about what he was seeing, what I was seeing, whether um, he needed to do anything differently. And I was thankful for that openness, but very quickly she was not in a place that she needed to be playing soccer. And so the first thing that happened was she took a break from soccer um, and she and her coach kind of had a plan. And then she declined from there. And we had a moment where she said, I, I need to drop out of school. I can't, I don't have the brain space to do this. I, she was in crisis at that point. And I wasn't even scared this time around because I knew what to do. I knew that there were supports available she very clearly needed them and we were going to make that happen. The challenge was that she was 18 and she had to decide. And so there was a very scary probably month where she was refusing to do anything to take control of the situation. And I felt extremely helpless um, to do anything to support her during that time while she was continuing to decline. So she finally did come to the conclusion that she needed to go back. And so we did all of the, you know, all of the stuff and got her back into treatment and all of the same kinds of processes, just in a different um, unit for adults. She really thrived this time. And it was such a stark difference from treatment and follow-up from the first time to the second time. And 
I always tell people it's kind of a funny analogy, but it's kind of like when you have your second child. So when you have your first child and people say, is she a good baby? And you say, yeah, I mean, she, she sleeps a few hours at night and only cries for six hours of the day. And yeah, she's a great baby because you don't know any different. And then you have your second baby. This is how it was for me, at least. <laughs> you have your second baby and they're a breeze. You're like, oh, yeah, this is this is this is great. That was pretty terrible. But you just don't know any different when it's your first time around. And so her mindset was just incredibly different. She was taking control of herself, decisions. I was getting a lot less information um, because she was an adult, which made me nervous as a parent. But when I would talk to her, she would say, yeah, I did this with my dietitian and I chose, you know, these snacks for myself. And I, you know, made this plan for when I get home and all of these things that was just really about taking accountability and responsibility. And so when she came home, um, the second time around, I was, we were just in so much better place. It was still hard, right? Like recovery is a roller coaster on the best day, but I no longer felt so vulnerable in the process. And she was able to finish her school semester. She only had to drop one class, um, finished it with stellar grades. Oh, I, I meant to tell it, say earlier that she was valedictorian of her class, even despite going to treatment her senior year. She's just a smart kid and she um, was able to navigate all of that well. And then she um, went back to school this fall after having, you know, almost a year in a very tight recovery focused um, you know, healing process at home. And so we are very grateful for the opportunity to do this a second time. I think even people in my family, when they found out that she was struggling again and needed to go back to treatment, I think they heard that with a very failure focused thought process like well if it didn't work the first time then how is it going to work the second time and i didn't think about it that way i thought about it like you know any kind of new thing that you're learning to do let's just take riding a horse right um you get bucked off you can say, oh, well, I guess that just wasn't for me. That didn't work. Or you can say, okay, what went right? What went wrong? What do I need to learn a little bit more of or do differently? Where am I going to put my legs differently? How am I going to hold the reins differently? You're going to adjust and you're likely going to have a different outcome. And in our case, that's exactly what happened. And I know for many people who go to treatment three, four, five times, right? There is no cap on what it's going to take to learn and adjust and get to that place of healing that allows you to live a life of freedom. 
Well, and you brought up a very good point that, and I've talked about this, about day one. In eating disorder recovery, just so everyone knows, and this took me a long time to figure out, once you start at day one, you're always at day one. You don't go back like other programs. And I can understand how family members are like, oh, here we go again, because my family puts the fun in dysfunctional and everyone's been to rehab a couple hundred times. And you're like, oh, not again. But in eating disorder recovery, it's not like that. You don't lose all time under your belt like different programs. So I think that that's a very good point to bring up that because I always say like, if I'm going to Chernobyl my life, it's going to not be over one little thing. I'm going to make a whole mess of it. So you have to understand, okay, we did it. You process it. You get back up and you move on. Absolutely. And I think um, I am so just in awe of my kid. I'm in awe of you. I'm in awe of anybody who regularly goes into battle against this disorder. It is insidious. And I know that even on the best days, it's there, right? It's the thoughts don't go away. You can quiet them, but they don't completely go away. You learn to manage them in a much more positive way. And my daughter is just my hero because um, that's why I say she's a warrior um, because I know how hard that can be. Yeah. And you bring up a very good point. Um, if no one's ever recovered from this ever, and that's where I get, we can get into that a little bit later, maybe. Right. But knowing that just saying, listen, I'm going to have to battle the slick my eating disorder voice for probably the rest of my life there may be times he may talk and there may be times he's on vacation and just understanding that point of it is huge for sure and i think it helps you when you do understand it that way it helps you feel successful it helps you feel confident versus why can't i get over this you know, um, what am I doing wrong that it still feels hard? Just, it's going to be hard. So now your da- your daughter's an adult and she's doing all this and she's not in a facility. She's doing this on, like, she's taking herself to a dietitian. She's coming home, doing her thing, and then going to a counselor or whoever mm-hmm. else at this point. I love this. And... That takes a strong person to say, okay, I I need to do this again, but maybe, like you said, we're going to tweak it a little bit. We learned what didn't work, and we're going to go a different way. For sure. And I think that that's no different from every single day, right? Like, things are going to go wrong. You're going to have something that's causing extreme anxiety or stress. So, you know, how are we going to handle and manage this? And I think that's where I've been 
so thankful to have such a good relationship with my daughter. It hasn't always been great. She will tell you um, through this process, I'm, you know, safe place, but I'm also enemy number one sometimes. Um, but I feel like it's my duty and my responsibility to be kind of that person that helps her fact check and um, adjust in both the small moments and the big ones. So looking back, if we go back in time from when she was 17 and she went to a facility and now you would, would you put her in that facility all over again? I would. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I think every facility and just the eating disorder treatment design you know, has some challenges and you take the good with the bad and the bad with the good. But I would put her there again. I think that there is some value to kind of knowing the ropes and understanding the way things work. There's also, you know, you could argue the other side of things like trying something new, but for us in our area, there's just not that much available. And so that's one of the things that I think is really unfortunate is sort of just this famine around services available to people struggling with eating disorders. There's just not a lot your options are limited. And certainly if you're sort of in this in-between between, you know, needing outpatient care and a higher level of care, that's, you know, you live there 24 hours a day, there's nothing in between that. And so I do think that people um, tend to not get treatment because it feels overwhelming and because there's not just a ton of options available. Yeah. And again, I didn't go to any of these facilities ever, but I do know from being in the hospital, I mean, I was watched. I always called myself a glorified inmate, right? People wanted me to do a certain thing. I was watched when I went to the bathroom. I wasn't allowed to lock the door when I went to the bathroom. And I'm like, it's time. I'm like 43 years old. I'm like, bite me. Like, I'm going to lock the door. I'm not doing anything mm -hmm. wrong. I don't want someone coming in the flipping bathroom while I'm in there. Right. And I'm not going to rag on all facilities because I think they do do a purpose. Right. But we've all watched with that girl interrupted and yeah. One, oh yeah. Right. Like no, For thank sure. you. And there's always someone there that's on a power trip. Right. And you're going to do what I say. And if you don't do it and it's almost like they try to break you. Right. But they break you and they never put you back together again. <laughs> so how the hell is that helpful? Yeah, I do think there is some dehumanizing elements to just being in any kind of institutional setting. And, um, you know, we experience that, thankfully, not to any significant degree. I think for us, one of the main values of 
going to the going to treatment in general, unlike people who do all in recovery and, you know, these intensive supports from day one at home was just the stop action that it offered, like literally everything that was destructive in your life stops because you're going there and you're going to be there for a long enough time that you're breaking habits, you're changing neural pathways, you're doing all of those things because you're away from the place where you got sick. The challenge is how to manage coming back to that. And that's where I think things can be really challenging because you get used to the protection that the facility provides, and then you're thrown back into the chaos of, you know, everything. One simple example of that was when our daughter got home the first time, she had a lot of anxiety about sleeping in her room because there are a lot of bad memories in her room. It felt overwhelming. And so, you know, we were like, let's, redo your room, paint the walls, get new furniture, whatever you need to do to make it feel different or switch with one of the boys. Like there are things we can do to change that even within your home. Um, You know, the second time she came home, she slept on the couch for, I mean, probably three weeks until she kind of felt a different level of safe at home again. And those are just things that you don't really think about that are like the unintended consequences that you just need to be prepared for. Well, and that's, thank you for bringing that up because it is, it's like coming home from war. Like, I don't know what it's like to go to war, but I'm going to imagine, right? And you come home with a whole lot of more stuff than when you went in with. And that that's such a great tip for parents if they can't go back to the room redo the room switch the room get a new bedspread like do what you can afford but your your room is supposed to be your your sanctuary your safe place where you can go and how are you going to heal if you have no safe space right that's that's a beautiful tip beautiful tip. So now how's everything going? I think things are going well. Um, she's living at home. She's back in college, but we decided this year we weren't going to go make the same mistakes we made last year, even in a different circumstance. So just give her that protection of being home, um, for a period of time. And, you know, I'm just really proud of her. That does not mean that every day is perfect. Um, In fact, you know, I think part of the challenge of being me and living in this mother body and being anxious in general is, you know, I think I eagle eye her a lot um, because I do remember what it was like to feel like things were okay and then they weren't. And so every time I start to feel like that, I remind myself that um, we're one day at a timing it over here and today was good, right? And um, we will take what comes in the future if necessary. But right now I think she's 
she's she's making it through and i'm just really excited for what the future will hold for her that's so awesome that's so awesome it is really one day at a time and one percent better every day that's all you can ask for right absolutely tiny baby steps well thank you so much Edie warrior mom for hanging out with me tell everybody one more time where they can find you on the tiktok the label is ed warrior mom but the actual handle is wendy.with.a.k wendy with a k i didn't make there it easy <laughs> there you go thank you again so much thank you That's all for this episode of 1% Better. To continue the conversation, head over to our website at www.1percentbetter.ca, where you can access more stories and resources. We'd also love it if you subscribed and left us a review on your favorite podcast platform. And remember, friends, progress takes patience, perspective, and sometimes a little help from people who get it. So be kind to yourself and others as we work to get 1% Better every day. We'll see you back here next week.